0: Fiorello, eccolo il
1: cross tagliato di testa, chi da? il magnifico, il magnifico, il magnifico.
0: Entertainment capital of the world. What a strike! What a goal! What a comeback! What a game! There are no words to describe it. It's the T.C.
2: Martin Show. Les géants
1: hors-jeu, mais cette fois-ci, il n'y en a pas pour Marco Reus.
2: Très fort devant le but!
0: prescription from the doctor TC Martin
2: Messi 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 The
0: doctor is now in
2: Good Thursday afternoon to you, a thunderous Thursday edition of the T.C. Martin Show. Glad to have you with us wherever you may be. Welcome, welcome, boys and girls of all shapes and sizes, men and women, and nunchucks. That's right, nunchuck on the other side of the glass. Shout out to our guy, Ballpark Frank, still recuperating, and uh, we hope to have Ballpark Frank back with us very, very soon. Appreciate that. G-Man is in the house today. Now, the G-Man... Is our new engineer on the spot. I like to say, you know, he's, uh, he's talent and waiting, intern, protege, whatever you want to say. And uh, you've probably seen the G-Man over at the Cosmopolitan of Apology on Fridays. He's hanging out with us in the studio today. So, uh, yes, donning his Packer gear, which I sincerely appreciate that. Hopefully they can get it turned around this weekend. I'm banking on it Monday night. As the Packers host the Lions, we got plenty of football to talk about today for you. Scott Spreitzer will join us, our resident handicapper from Doc Sports. Of course, Scott, definitely the best. So our Thursday edition with Scott, we will talk to him next hour as we break down the week number two matchups in the NFL and also college football as well. Oh yeah, by the way, we do have a football game tonight. I'll get into that here in a minute as well. Arash Makarzy. Love Arash. He is going to join us a little bit later on this hour. Uh, Worked for the LA Times, ESPN, Sports Illustrated. Currently, you can hear him on the mightier 1090 in San Diego, the Flamethrower, the 50,000-watt station there, one of the most powerful stations in all of North America So, uh, yes, he's on daily there and also has his The Morning Column that you can find on Substack. So, Arash Makazi, great having him on the show today. And we will talk all things LA, from the Rams to the Chargers to USC, everything. And he covers the UFC, covers boxing. But uh, we'll talk about the USC Trojans and firing Clay Hilton. After that disastrous performance. Wasn't disaster for me because it's part of my best bats. Stanford plus 17 and a half. Thank you, Clay Helton. Th- that's exactly how I handicapped the game. David Shaw versus Clay Helton. Say no more, Squire. And of course, I go into my say no more, Squire. Because, yes, ladies and gentlemen, today we're going across the pond to visit our good friend, Paul Buckpower Stewart. Buckpower.com. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers guru and uh, does a fantastic job on that website and a uh, long association with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So we'll visit with uh, buck power here in just a couple of moments. So a lot to cover on the table today. And we will be starting to dive into a lot of the college football coming up this weekend, as well as the NFL. And don't forget tomorrow cosmopolitan Las Vegas, our Friday home, Trevor Maddich, We'll be joining us again tomorrow after going 3-0. A lot of us went 3-0 and on the college side. Just off the top of my head, I know Double B went 3-0. and Trevor went 3-0. I went 3-0. and Not sure exactly how Matt did. I think Matt did exceptionally well as well, too. But uh, all of that on the website at tcmartinshow.com. So, yes, get ready for a football Friday tomorrow at the Cosmopolitan. And get ready for a lot of pigskin talk today as well so a lot to cover we'll dive into that all right without further ado let's go across the pond and talk to our good friend paul buck power stewart by popular demand they said i want buck power back and so let's bring buck power back here on a thunderous thursday what's going on my man
3: a uh, very good afternoon to you, uh, TC. How are you, my friend?
2: Uh, fair and continue warmer, my friend. Uh, highs in the hundreds, lows tonight in the 80s. A uh, northwesterly wind of about a half a mile per hour. How you like my weather forecast? You don't see this right now, Buck Power, but I'm sitting here and I've got like my pointer or something. And, you know, like I'm, I have a green screen behind me like I'm doing weather. I don't know why I do that. I've never been a weatherman, but I've always wanted to be a closet weatherman, if you know what I mean.
3: I do, and I've also noticed what you're wearing. You're wearing a Tampa Bay t-shirt, I think supplied to you by uh, C.J. Reeves.
2: That's right, and and I wore this for you today, my friend, because I knew we'd be talking about Tampa Bay Buccaneers, so I, I sported the Tampa Bay Buccaneers gear today, like you said, graciously, uh, delivered by T.J. Reeves to yours truly. So, yes.
3: Well, of course, we are talking the defending Super Bowl champion Buccaneers and the 1-0 and Tampa Bay Buccaneers after that game last Thursday. Now, see, there we go. Now, you know, I always love hitting these English nuances
2: with you. I love the way you just said the 1-0 and Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I, now, is I don't think that's normal british speak is it one and oh don't they do they say one zero do they say one nil how do you say one and oh let's just say manchester united got off to a good start and they won their first match what would you say their record is
3: well, you don't really talk about record because you talk about points. This is true. Um, so in, you in guys game, are all
2: backwards there. That's true. Okay, yeah, go ahead.
3: But if it's been a line, yes, you would say Manchester United went 1-0. But I guess in British speak, you'd say the Buccaneers are 1-0 and the Packers are 0-1. Right.
2: And I, I know that's the way that we say that. So I didn't know if that's exactly how uh, they said that there. When And then again, I don't know how many British people are actually look at the NFL standings as well.
3: Oh, my God. As I said, the NFL is very big over here. It's the biggest of the non-British sports. So, yes, Premier League is king. You know, we love our cricket and our rugby and the other sports that we've always talked about. But, yeah, the NFL is huge. And we talk about the records in exactly the same way as you do.
2: Give me a cricket standings uh, leaderboard. Uh, How how does that look? Is there such a thing as
3: cricket standings? Well, I mean, you have a championship involving in the different counties. But, I mean, I was talking on another show about this the other week. So if I said to you, it, at the end of the first day's play, India were 326 runs for three. <laughs> that wouldn't really mean a lot, would it? I mean, you don't often see 326 runs wait, in a game wait, of baseball. Timeout, 326 runs. You either
2: have some very piss poor pitching there or, <laughs> or the game went 272 innings. I mean, what's going no, on I there?
3: The, I think the Baltimore Orioles started playing, playing cricket for England. <laughs> this is
2: true. Very nice. Paul Bunkpower Stewart. See, we just touch. This is where this show goes. When, when Bunkpower is on, you just never know where it's going to go. So I'm going to try to drive it as much as I can here, my friend. But uh, uh, expect to veer off. And, uh, and in English, in uh, the English side there, I mean, that means I'm already driving on the wrong side of the road, right? So I'm very not. You are off. indeed. Yeah.
3: One of the interesting questions that came up over here on on British media this week was about the Raiders. Now, of course, the Raiders are on their fourth city in the last forty years. They've gone from Oakland to L.A. to Oakland, and now to Vegas. Now, the British fans regard them as just the Raiders, and it doesn't matter where. Are the Raiders regarded as your team yet, or are they still are they still seen as outsiders? Okay, it depends on really who you talk to because
2: you got to remember, Las Vegas is such a transplant town that most people have moved from somewhere else and they already have their own allegiances with their own teams. So I think everybody is, is kind of like they've embraced the idea of having the NFL here. I think, first and foremost, they love having the NFL here. So, for example, if you're a Buffalo Bills fan, you're saying, hey, when, can I, when are the Buffalo Bills going to be coming to Las Vegas? And If they're not coming this year, you know, when can I come and see them? So I think there's an intrigue there. But if you're still a diehard Bills fan, you are going to watch the Bills game or find the Bills bar or you know, the Packers or the Cowboys or the Buccaneers, et cetera, et cetera. So I think people love the fact that the NFL is here, and as far as the Raiders, if you're a casual football fan and you really don't have a fan, uh, a you know a team, then you kind of cling on to that. And I've known several uh, friends of mine that were not big NFL fans. They really didn't have an NFL team. They may be hockey guys or baseball guys. They say, "Okay, I'm going to give this Raider thing a shot." So they're they're adopted team. You see, I think that's how a lot of people are approaching it. But for the most part, if you have your team, you have your team, and then as a secondary team, then okay, we're going to go ahead and open our arms to the Raiders. But you got to remember, buck power, you know how this goes being in Tampa Bay. I mean, when the Buccaneers weren't winning, you had a lot of people flocking away. And when the Buccaneers are good, they're saying, "Hey, you know, we're we're coming back." And right now with the Raiders 1-0, you have a lot of Raider fans, a lot of casual Raider fans that are saying, hey, this thing is pretty cool. We got a new stadium. We kind of like John Gruden because we saw him on TV for all those years. But, you know, yeah, I'm embracing it. So it really depends who you're talking to or what the audience is.
3: But I think this also, TC, is why there'll never be a successful NFL franchise in London, because everyone in Britain already has their team. You know, I'm a Buccaneers fan. I'm not going to change just because a potential franchise came into London. And this was the way when NFL Europe came over here, and we had the London Monarchs in the early and mid-90s, that people would go, that's nice, we might go and watch it, but we're not going to support the team. And I think the, the difference is, of course, you had the Golden Knights, but they came from scratch. They did come from anywhere else. They've always been your franchise. Whereas I think the Raiders, like you said, it's going to take time to build up an affinity and a rapport with them, and winning would cure everything.
2: Yeah. Now, for example, on Monday night, I mean, that building was packed. You didn't have many Baltimore Ravens fans. There were some but it paled in co- in comparison, and I think a lot of us thought that you were going to have more of those away city fans coming. And you know, it was opening night, so you got to remember, the Raiders sold over 60,000 season tickets to pretty much Raider fans. For the most part, they hung on to those tickets for opening night. They weren't going to sell them to the visitors. Now, if we get into week 14 or 15, and the Raiders are 4-10 and 10 or something like that, then you're going to see them selling their tickets. Perfect example, and you brought up the Golden Knights, is... There were a lot of non hockey fans here. People didn't even know what hockey was, but because it was organic, they said, you know what? I'm going to dive into this hockey thing. I'm going to give it a shot. And yeah, I'm going to buy my Golden Knights gear and I'm going to become a Golden Knights fan. But when Edmonton or the Chicago Blackhawks or, you know, the Boston Bruins, when those guys came to town, Buck Power, you saw anywhere from five to 8,000 fans of the 18,000 in T Mobile Arena, you know, coming from out of town or People that transplanted from uh, there who live here, and they were wearing that gear. So I think you're going to see a lot of Chiefs fans come. You know, when the Chiefs come to the Raiders, uh, you know, in other maybe iconic franchises, you'll you'll see that. But if the Raiders keep winning, you're going to see these season ticket holders hang on to their tickets. And continue to go into Allegiant Stadium because what we saw Monday night it was, was tremendous. It was electric. They passed every test from the people who work at Allegiant Stadium, the Raiders, the NFL. It was like a real NFL city.
3: I think also TC it's like it's a vacation spot so just as people go to Florida to get the sun people go to Vegas for all the things Vegas has to offer and of course now going to see their team play is going to be the reason for their trip now I mean we saw last Thursday night there were a lot of Dallas fans in Tampa obviously because Cowboys fans travel well A because they want to see a winning team because they don't see one in Texas anymore but of course you know the stadium was packed and and as the Buccaneers are successful there's less seats going to be available for, for those visiting fans. Now, I mean, I was watching, obviously, that game live. It was a 1.20 a.m. start here in England. It finished at 5 a.m., which is the life of a British NFL fan, so I'm afraid I had to have, like, a three-hour nap on my sofa before the game started, What woke up, watched the Bucks win, went back for another 3 hours sleep, and then went back to work again. So it's a bit easier to go and watch, for visiting fans to go and watch the Raiders in Vegas than it is for me to sit and watch the Bucks here in England. And I was going to ask you about that. A one. 20 in the
2: morning start. Now, that's gotta be treacherous. Now, I'm not sure about your, your home there, Paul, but I don't know. Every time I see, uh, homes in England, I, you know, then again, I'm basing this off of Monty Python in faulty towers. <laughs> that, that's all I can, that, you know, that's my English knowledge right there, right? Okay. So are you, is your house on, on top of another one? You got neighbors. What do you do? Cause you can't yell and scream. We've talked about this before at 120 in the morning. What are you doing? I mean, is it like the silent high fives? Are you going?
3: What are you doing? Because you can't yell and scream and wake up the neighbors. Well, I remember when, when the Bucks won the Super Bowl back in February, I was living back up in London, and I actually said that I had to celebrate quietly. Uh, my neighbour Sarah said to me, no, no, it was fine. You could have celebrated. I wouldn't have minded. I know what it meant to you. Now, I've since moved house, and I live out in the country. I've got a mansion sort of the size of the one Numchuck has, so I've got my own grounds and estate these days. So I can celebrate, and I was able to celebrate quite wildly when Ryan Suckup's field goal went through at the end of last week's game. Yeah you know, uh,
2: there is a similarity there. Now, I've been in Nunchuck's house, and he does have a lot of the uh, like the iron gates and barbed wire around his house, but probably a little bit different than what you're used to, you know, more like a prison cell. I mean, that's what Nunchuck's looks like.
3: Yeah, but it's it's to, it's to guard his beers. He doesn't want anyone drinking his beers while he's watching his football <laughs> at a weekend. This is, this is true. There it is.
2: All right, so here's what I want to know, Paul. How many other NFL degenerates like yourself are there in England? I know you say it's big um, there, but I mean, you're a degenerate. There's no question about it. You're staying up to 120. I mean, you're posting Buccaneer stuff. And I understand you're part of the media, so that's, that's different. But to really put in perspective, we know that that people flock to Wembley Stadium in London to see games when the NFL comes there but how many diehard, how many degenerates are there that really you know tap into the direct TV package the NFL Sunday ticket or whatever they have back there
3: or, you know to watch these games OK, well, when I used to present the co- I used to present the coverage of the NFL here in the UK Great. and we would have viewing figures of roundabout quarter of a million, which is quite a big for a satellite station. You know, it's not Premier League. It was one of the biggest shows we had. And we now have NFL Game Pass, which is your ver- our version of Sunday ticket. We can watch any game we want. You know, we can watch it live, or you can watch it on delay. Now, I'll be honest; I do not watch the preseason games live. I'm not that desperate, <laughs> so I can watch them the following morning with the commercials cut out. And a lot of people will do that. So a lot of people will have watched the Dallas-Tampa Bay game the following morning without knowing the score. They'll start watching it at seven, eight o'clock in the morning before they go to work. There are diehards like me, and I love the phrase "degenerate." I think that's now a compliment that I've been called a degenerate on Vegas radio. Um, that. <laughs> (laughs) I stayed up to watch it live because to me, it's a badge of honor. But I was doing this back in the eighties and nineties before TV coverage, I would be listening to a medium wave radio signal, the armed forces radio listening to coverage, you know, just to hear my team being featured because that's what, Die hard support is. And I guess, you know, you've got, as we said, you've got people driving around Vegas now who love Premier League soccer, who follow the Bundesliga, who love Indian League cricket. They might even like Aussie rules football. And they will do anything they can to listen or watch their teams play, no matter what time of day it is. And it's the part of being a fan, and it's the great part of being a fan. And I support anyone who does that kind of thing.
2: There he is, Paul Buckpower Stewart. He's in England. And uh, buckpower.com, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers website for the international fan base and everyone does a fantastic job there and uh, spent a lot of time in Tampa, you know, of course covering the Buccaneers and has a great relationship with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers organization. So I know that we've touched upon this before, but now that we are into football season and the games here on the West Coast in the United States, you're talking about 10 a.m. on a Sunday morning, and then you got the games at basically, you know, 1.20, 1.25, and then you have the Sunday night football. So so now we look at our clocks. So those 10 o'clock games are roughly basically around, what, 5 or 6 p.m. in England. Are there pubs, as we say bars here, but you say pubs, are a certain type of of pubs that cater to certain teams fans like we have here in Vegas like you have in a lot of major cities does that happen there and do people go there like say on a Sunday night to watch football
3: not really I mean to be honest you know the NFL fans are spread all over the country and there are a couple of bars and pubs in London that have shown NFL games and people will go there but to be honest it's really more of a individual events where you might have a couple of friends around to watch a game you know you've got other Bucks fans or Raider fans you'll sit and watch the game together and that's how you do it now for watching soccer for example so if you have a game you know a game that's on a Monday night over here maybe Manchester United are playing Tottenham there'll be a pub that will be showing the game on a big screen TV and there'll be fans of both teams and other teams as well just getting there because they're getting together to watch the game with other fans So you wouldn't really have a Manchester United pub or a Tottenham pub or a Chelsea pub. You just really all get together in groups of 20 or 30 to watch your team play. And of course, you all come together to watch an international event like like we talked about before. Who are the most
2: popular teams there in England?
3: Well, Manchester United are probably the biggest uh, of the soccer teams. Um, Liverpool, again, are very successful. You come into London, if you've got sort of parts of London, so South London would be Chelsea, North London would be Arsenal or Tottenham. In the Midlands, you might support teams like Birmingham, Aston Villa, people like that. So it can be very regionalised. Paul, I'm but asking you game. about the
2: NFL. I know who's popular back there in your soccer. On, you you know, I'm talking about your NFL team. What oh, NFL, NFL teams are popular?
3: Yes, it's well, pe- people. Okay, if you support, if you followed the game back in the 80s. Now, I mean, I, I'm a Butts fan because the first game I ever saw, Tampa Bay won, and they, I thought they must be a good team. You know, that was my mistake. But I mean, if you sort of <laughs> was Vinny Testaverde, 80s,
2: cor- was Vinny Testaverdi Cordy in that team?
3: No, it was 1982. It was Doug Williams back oh, in the, those days. Beautiful, beautiful. So, if you followed the team in the early 80s when they started showing the game Washington and Dallas were big Miami are popular because it's a tourist attraction which is why people maybe support the Bucks in recent years New England have dominated because it's got the word England in the name some neutral fans were going to gravitate towards them and therefore the Patriots are probably the biggest supported team here in the UK now the Raiders were always very popular you know because they were successful and of course they won the 83 Super Bowl the second one ever shown over here so you know I know we talked about it. if you went to one of the international series games in London, you would see all 32 NFL teams represented really quickly. People will wear their jerseys because they have their teams. But I would say the top three would probably be New England, Dallas, and probably Miami for those reasons that we said.
2: All right, there he is, Paul Buck Power Stewart, one and zero. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers defeat the Dallas Cowboys. Boy, it's like you have a buy this week, though. I mean, the Buccaneers are hosting the
3: Falcons. I mean, come on. Are you going to lay 12 and a half there? Um, Yeah, I've heard that's what the line is, but it's any given Sunday. And remember last Thursday. That was a bad movie, Paul Buckpower Stewart.
2: Very bad movie.
3: Oh, no, no. I I, I disagree with that because a friend of mine wrote the script for it. (laughs) Oh, I can't go that far. Fantastic movie. I agree. I I love that that movie. Al Pacino, right? Yeah.
2: I love that movie. (laughs)
3: <laughs> yeah, there's a friend of mine who played for the expansion Bucks called Pat Toomey, who did the script for it, and he's got a cameo in in the in the film. Look at that! There you go. All right, was he was he standing
2: uh, naked next to was it Jamie Foxx or who who was that? Who was that in the locker room?
3: <laughs> I, I would like to be standing anywhere in a locker room with Cameron Diaz. <laughs> oh, very
2: nice, nicely done, my friend. Paul, does anybody watch college football there?
3: Well, not really, because it's never really been shown that much here in the UK. There's never been any coverage of it. So, again, you could probably get one of the ESPN subscriptions to watch games. What I tend to do is... I watched the highlights on YouTube. So you can go on there on a Sunday morning and you can watch 10-minute packages of all the different games. So, I mean, I really enjoyed the last couple of minutes of Florida State's game last weekend. I thought that was particularly funny. But, I mean, sometimes, you know, you can watch different games and you look at the different players. But, no, college football is not very big at all over here.
2: All right. I would be remiss if I did not uh, ask you about the U.S. Open women's champion, (laughs) uh, Emma Radicanto. I mean, that was phenomenal. I talk a little bit about that. I would imagine she is now an overnight sensation
3: there in England. Total overnight sensation. Now, she's the first qualifier ever to win a major tennis tournament. So she reached the fourth round at Wimbledon, and everyone thought of here that's a nice story. British woman does well. And then she disappeared off the sports pages again. And then as she started going through each round of the U.S. Open, it started getting bigger and bigger news. So when she got to the final, the, the U.S. Open was being shown on a very minor subscription channel. One of our mainstream channels paid a lot of money to get the final. And it got huge viewing figures. It was Saturday night here for us. She's become an overnight sensation, front page news. The Queen even sent her a message of congratulations. So, right now, she's the biggest story in British sports. Now imagine we had talked about this before about how in these in these uh, tennis
2: we talked about it with Wimbledon the same thing with the U.S. Open I imagine that people are, are watching casually the U.S. Open but then if you have a, a a British man or woman who is you know making their way you know through the brackets and getting to the quarterfinals semifinals or finals then all of a sudden it becomes must see TV right.
3: Absolutely correct. Now a few years ago Andy Murray won the US Open that was must see television but this really was just dramatics going from like a a small little byline on one of the back inside pages of the sport to being the lead story on the front page of all the tabloids here on on the the following morning. It's been fantastic and I just hope that the British press don't build her up just to knock her down which we've done with so many sports stars in the past. It's an amazing story she comes across as a really lovely person and I'm just you know it's fantastic and I'm really pleased for her can you convert her into a Buccaneers fan do you think I'm gonna try I'm gonna try mm-hmm. I mean she you know she wants to be a winner she will adopt <laughs> the orange colors of the box
2: she already is a winner no doubt about it just tremendous performance by her at the U.S. Open here in Flushing New York all right uh you mentioned Soccer, football, Manchester United, Ronaldo, that had to be front page, back page news as Ronaldo returns to Man U. Uh, Talk a little bit
3: about that. And I saw in the opening match, boom, he scored the first goal, right? Yes, he did. His first game, he actually scored twice last week in a 4-1 win over Newcastle. So Ronaldo had several seasons at Manchester United back in the 2000s, hugely successful, so, you know, went off to earn money around Europe and he's come back to Manchester United at the age of 36 he's being paid 24 million pounds a year which is a ma- biggest sum ever paid I think in salaries to, to, a, to a soccer player over here and yes it's a massive story will he be successful I don't know because Manchester United had a very bad defeat during the week in the Champions League but yes it was huge news that he came back so yeah I mean you know Manchester United right now after four games they're tied at the top of the premier league so yes it, it was a story that again transcended both the sports pages and the front page news stories 24 million pounds what's the uh, equivalent of u.s dollars to that uh about the same as nunchuck earns in a month <laughs> 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 that's about that's about 30 million 32 million a year he's earning and it's a two-year 240 year contract
2: 240 million pounds See, I've never understood the, the whole pounds thing. I mean, that sounds pretty heavy about, to me. That
3: sounds it's heavy. It's about one one point three dollars to one pound. That, that's how that works. It's the currency exchange rate. Uh-oh. But I mean, at the moment, yes, that's the big story. Now, of course, the British press goes in sort of very cyclical motion. So we had the tennis, we've had the cricket, we've had the golf. Now next week, of course, golf will take over because the women, the European women, won the Solheim Cup a couple of weeks ago. Next week it's the Ryder Cup, and for three days that will totally dominate the sporting world
2: here in the UK. All right. Paul Buckpower Stewart in England. Buckpower.com, a fantastic website. Check that out. And uh, he he's on it every day with the what happened in Buccaneers history. I love that. I get to see that all the time. Uh, great stuff, my friend. And, you know, next time we have a TC Martin Show song fest, we have to include you. And I know that you you heard about it, maybe even listened to it. But if you had to pick a Paul Buckpower Stewart Uh, song what would it be if i put you on the spot and said you have to introduce your song on the tc martin show song fest edition what would it be my friend
3: oh god my street cred is about to go down the toilet never going to give you up by rick Astley. get out of here are you kidding me are I you? love that song. I've loved it since it came out in 1987. Yes. Um, sorry, as I said, my street cred has gone completely. There are people all over Vegas driving off the road, laughing at this now. Are uh, you? You know, this
2: is so funny because my daughter wasn't. She was born in 1997, and during the course of her like childhood, when we you know, we were go to games and she was playing ball and that sort of thing, her her friends they just gravitated to the song. And I go what are you talking how do you even know this no dad this is the thing this is the thing and you're it's it's, it's Rick Astley it's global
3: and it's Paul Bunk Power Stewart's number one are you kidding me it is indeed. I mean, that's why, you know, music is a very individual choice and everyone should have their own favorite song, and that's mine. But, I mean, I was doing, I've started doing a Buck Power podcast where I feature games for the history, and we were doing a game the other week from 1987, and at the very same time as that game was played, Rick Astley was number one in the UK chart. So it all came together for me with that show. All right,
2: Buck Power, I can see you right now. You're smiling. Are you bobbing your head a little bit right now? get what move what move do you do you, you got the finger going up in the air do you twirl around uh, do you got a, a, a frosty mug in your hand right now when you hear this song
3: no no i i have no dance moves tc you and i are the same age we don't dance well
2: you don't dance I you.
3: come on man
2: yes well we dance here my friend no doubt but i don't know if i'd be dancing to this song okay look at Numb i mean he's he's putting on some moves here unbelievable all right, my friend.
3: Well, the only moves I put on are the ones where I go around Dallas defenders on the way to the end zone <laughs> for the Buccaneers.
2: All right, my friend. Great stuff. We appreciate you having it on. Go check out his website, buckpower.com. And uh, Paul Stewart, tell everyone how they can follow you, my friend.
3: Well, they can fact, find me, buckpal.com is the website. You can find me on Twitter and on Facebook, Paul Buckpal Stewart. And I know I've had a lot of people get in contact with me through that. If you've got any questions about British sport, please fire them my way. I'll be happy to help out. And apart from that, I just wish everyone all the very best and get well soon, ballpark Frank.
2: Yeah. All right, my friend. All right, Paul, appreciate the time and we'll let you go to bed now. Thank you very much for the time today in, uh, in Go Bucks and we'll have you on very, very soon. Sounds good to me. Cheerio, cheerio, pip pip, cheerio, little chop. Look at that, Paul Buck Power Stewart. He's coming with Rick Astley. Really? Wow. I mean, we thought Ballpark Frank was, you know, curveball with waterfalls, little TLC. Buck Power with Rick Astley. All right, all right. We come back. Arash McCarthy He joins us next. I don't think he's going to come with any Rick Astley, but you never know. T.C. Mart Show. Thunderous Thursday.
4: Alright, let me put some
2: water on your
0: board. More from the Master Debater. The Doctor TC Martin. You never know what comes out of this guy's mouth.
2: Alright, don't forget to join us tomorrow, Cosmopolitan in Las Vegas for our Football Friday edition. Trevor Matt will be joining us. as... Well, is uh, Marco D'Angelo from the handicappy perspective. And uh, a whole lot more coming your way. Uh, Marlon Greenwood will be joining us, too. Former NFL player who is in charge of the NFL alumni, the Las Vegas chapter. And, of course, our best bet segment. And a whole lot more coming your way. The Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. Join us tomorrow for that, of course, powered by the William Hill Sportsbook. All right, right now, let's go down to Southern California. We went from across the pond in England to... SoCal right now in a visit with uh, one of the the best writers uh, that I've I've read in a long, long time, and also now doing uh, radio as well, too. We're talking about Arash Markazi, worked for the LA Times, ESPN, Sports Illustrated, and currently can hear him on the mightier uh, 1090, the Southern California Sports Powerhouse radio station there. And, of course, you can check him on the morning column on Substack as well, too. Arash, how you doing, my man? I know you were just here in Las Vegas uh, as well, my friend, uh, checking out uh, what we all checked out here Monday night,
1: Uh, with the Raiders and the Ravens. It was, yeah, it was incredible. You know, I mean, I kind of began sort of covering, like, the flight path between Los Angeles and Vegas before they opened T-Mobile. And so to see Allegiant Stadium come to life, to see a Monday night football game there, and, like, what a first game that was. The atmosphere, the crowd, the stadium was fantastic, but you can't control the game. You couldn't have asked for a better, more exciting game than that one.
2: And I know that you've been here for so many occasions. You know, we've seen you at, at you know, major boxing events, the UFC, and everything else that happens here in Vegas. How would you stack that up to what you witnessed you know, Monday night as far as you know, ambience, atmosphere, and just you know, gr- grand openings?
1: I really put that at the top of the list, and here's why. I mean, for me, the National Football League is the gold standard in terms of sports here in the U.S., and it's really sort of like the one league I never thought would come to Vegas. You know, when they were talking about the Las Vegas being a pro sports town, you're thinking of maybe the NBA, maybe hockey, things like that. But, you know, the National Football League, again, you know, I'm from Los Angeles where for 21 years we didn't have a team, you know, Tried to build a stadium. We tried to get a team. We had the Raiders. We wanted the Raiders to come back. So for Las Vegas to go from like not even being allowed uh, to have a commercial during the Super Bowl, you know, players being fined or whatnot if they're even seen in a casino, uh, to now, again, you know, not only. Do you have one of the signature franchises in the National Football League? But one of the signature stadiums, two billion dollars. You know, going to host the Super Bowl in the not too distant future. Going to host the draft. Going to host the Pro Bowl. I mean, I I really put that at the top just because of what football means here. Mm
2: -hmm. So, as we know, last year Allegiant Stadium was built, and so was you know SoFi Stadium there. In Los Angeles as well too, and I'm sure that you were probably I don't know if you've been to SoFi yet. I know you know maybe last year were, but you know they had the opening night uh, with the Rams. You know played uh, the Bears. How would you compare these two stadiums? And then if you were at that game with the with the Rams and the Bears, compare that to the Raiders and the
1: Ravens? Yeah, so I was at the Rams Bears game on Sunday night, and I went to Las Vegas for the C uh, game. On Monday, you know, it, it's a hard uh, comparison because I say it's SoFi, but I it, there's like a caveat that I mean, SoFi Stadium was built for five billion dollars. I mean, Allegiant Stadium is is right up there, but it was built for two. And So, you know, this is like if someone were to say, you know, compare two homes or two cars, you know, one home or one car is two and a half times the cost and the price. SoFi Stadium, I've never seen anything like it. From the Oculus scoreboard, which is like a hundred. Twenty yards, circular scoreboard, uh, the outside, the inside, like the waterfalls going on outside. It's a, it's it's an amazing facility that I, I think people have to see to really appreciate. Now, so I'm going to say that's number one. Again, the cost of of, of how much they that they spent on it is, is crazy, but. Uh, Allegiant Stadium is right behind it, and what I love about it is the character of it. I mean, there is no question whose stadium that is—like the silver and black, the torch, all the memorabilia. You know, like I made it a point to like walk around, uh, you know, and saw the the um, Hall of Fame footballs and jerseys, and I mean, you really get an appreciation for the history. So a long answer to say SoFi Stadium I think is in a class by itself but but again Allegiant Stadium right there too.
2: Now they're they're both football stadiums and I hear exactly what you're saying because you know being in Allegiant Stadium it it gives you that feel of hey you are in a home field advantage for a football stadium and maybe SoFi Stadium is more Like you said, it's almost like uh, a huge shopping mall in in a sense. I mean, it is you know uh, double the price of what it what it took to build. I'm just wondering, is that just building cost? Now you mentioned the you know the scoreboard, you know that crazy scoreboard. I mean, that's a feature. But tell our listeners what some of the other features are about that stadium. Is it restaurants? Is it the area uh, on the outside? I mean, outside of the football field and. You know what the fans can do there to watch a game. What else makes it basically double the you know the the price or the double the prestige of Allegiant Stadium?
1: Yeah, I mean, so they they had to build it below ground. So when you walk in from the street, like when you park your car and you walk in a SoFi Stadium, you are on the sixth floor. So it is majority of it was built below ground. A lot of that had to do where its location. Planes fly right up. Above it, so it, it could not be as tall as some of the other facilities around the league. Um, it's it's like architecturally, it's really incredible. Again, it's a outdoor a indoor place. So you 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 walk in and you could be outside, and then you walk in and you're. A, below this canopy that's covering the stadium, covering the uh, seats. But it really has like you can outdoor um indoor uh vibe, you know, much like Allegiant Stadium, it kind of has those uh you know club level and the suites and 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 things like that um you know i think when when people factor in the cost a lot of it has to do with sort of like what's happening like outside of it as well the big waterfall the big lake uh, you know there, there there's so many things about it that that make it very unique but it, it really is i think like that, that roof structure that you know that that so it's basically like an a, a outdoor stadium that they built a canopy on top of it,
2: yeah, and that sits on the old grounds there, right where the forum is in L. L- a. in Inglewood, right. So obviously, a, a vast difference between uh, between that and the forum, especially you know that area. And it sounds like they're really trying to build up that area as well, too, right?
1: Exactly. And 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 speaking about that, tomorrow the Clippers are going to break ground on their one billion dollar. Uh, and so you know they've, they've, they've sheltered. They've shared the uh, Staples Center with the Lakers oh, and Kings, and so mm-hmm. they're gonna break ground tomorrow. And um, and then yeah, so I mean that was on, at the side of the old uh, Hollywood Park uh, a track. So the Forum is still there across the street. It, it's mainly a co- a, a, like a concert venue now. And then so yeah, you're going you're gonna have the Clippers' home, the uh, home of the Chargers and the Rams, and they just released the video. For their bid for the world cup so they are for sure going to get the world cup games in 2026 they're going to get the summer olympics in 2028 we're going to get the super bowl this upcoming february so yeah a ton happening here
2: So we mentioned the Rams hosted the Bears, and we saw that was a pro-Rams crowd, which is is understandable. The Rams obviously have a long history there. And then, you know, with the Chargers, you know, coming there, I know a lot of people still in San Diego feel like, hey, they should have never left. I feel that exact same way as well, too. And now they're sharing the stadium, like you mentioned, and now they're actually going to be – playing against the Cowboys this weekend, <laughs> what is that going to look like? Because we know the Chargers couldn't even fill, you know, the stadium there in Carson. And, and now they're going to be asked to try to fill, you know, 80,000, you know, seats there at SoFi. I, I can only imagine what this is going to look like when the Cowboys come to town or any of these other, you know, traditional uh, huge fan bases when they come visit.
1: Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I mean, I mean, I think the Cowboys were always going to be a huge draw, no matter what. I I remember, you know, just being sort of a a Cowboys fan in Los Angeles because they would have. Training camp out here, and again, like we didn't have a team for 21 years, you know. So when I would go to San Diego for Cowboys Chargers games, it was packed. So I mean, of course, that's going to continue here. I would say the uh, attendance at Home Depot was a little bit of a misnomer, only because of the cost of the ticket. I mean, it was like $100 to to park. It was like at least like $200 for a ticket. I mean, they sold about 50,000 season tickets at SoFi Stadium. Now, there's no doubt about it. I mean, they're in a very unique position where they are not the beloved team. Of Los Angeles, I think there's a lot of people in San Diego who are upset at them, and there's a lot of people in Los Angeles who are like, we didn't like ask for the Chargers to move here. So they will fill the house, but I think more times than not, and certainly beginning on Sunday, you you can have more fans of the opposing team. So I have no doubt that over 50 percent of the fans, I would even dare say 60 or 70 percent of the fans, are Cowboys fans.
2: Right. Arash Mikazi joins us. You can catch him in the morning column on Substack and of course he's on the mightier 1090 in San Diego, he worked for the LA Times, ESPN, Sports Illustrated, uh, does a fantastic job. And like you said, I mean, he's back and forth here to Vegas all the time covering events here and everything in LA. So I know that you're a former USC alum, uh, so how does this Clay Helton thing out at USC hit you? And, you know, we know that that he basically was going to be fired a couple of seasons ago, and then they said, okay, we're going to bring him back. We know SC's gone through some AD changes. Tell me in your opinion, Arash, where did this thing go bad where you fire your coach after the second game of the season?
1: So the, this was a move, as you touched on, that should have happened in 2019. You had a new athletic director, a new president. They should have made this move then. I mean, Clay Helton should not have been the coach. They keep him, and then he really got – Helped out as crazy as it uh, as it sounds by uh, COVID nineteen. You know they only played five games. All five teams that they played were subpar teams. They almost lost uh, two or three of those games. They, so they go for five and zero. Oh, they play in the Pac twelve championship game. They get blown out by the Ducks. Um, he should not have been the coach of the uh, team. And 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 so I think what happened though when you get blown out the way that they did against Stanford and. I, I was at that game Saturday, and I've never seen the Coliseum so empty and so quiet in the fourth quarter. I mean, six minutes left in the game, but you're down, I forgot, like, 43 to 13 or something like that. I mean, it, 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 it was so bad that I think they had to make a move, you know, because it, they they played last season in front of no fans and what they could not have afforded. I mean, actually afforded financially is for the Coliseum to be like empty again. And I think so many fans were so upset with Clay Helton called for his job in 2019, called for his job again in 2020. Called, and it's like, at some point, a fan base just gets tired, and I think that's where USC fans were. Where were like they were just gonna not go to games anymore, and USC could not have afforded that to happen.
2: And you would think, okay, why did they just make this move early on? I guess it was like, well, look at our roster. We'll give it a shot here. The opener against San Jose State. I mean, even though they won the game, they didn't really look that good. And then Stanford comes in. You're a seventeen and a half point favorite, and Stanford blows them out. It's just still. Yeah, I understand it, and I, like you and a lot of other fans, they probably say, "Hey, they should have made this move, you know, a, a couple of years ago." But it's still uh, a little bit uh, shocking that after you know week number two that you say, "Hey, you know, we knew the leash was short, but now you know he's he's out
1: of here." Exactly, and 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 so he Clay Elton had always found a way to you know. You know, to keep his job for like an extra couple of games, an extra season, and found a way to keep his job again last year. He goes five and zero during the regular season. It's COVID. So you're like, okay, listen, well, this guy can come back. They found a way to beat San Jose State. You know, if he had kept his job, for example, I have no doubt that he would have won his next couple of games. And then at that point, you're like thinking, like they're three and one. Like, can you really fire a guy? But like, he was not gonna be the coach who was gonna lead USC back to where they were. I mean he was not gonna lead them back to in the national championship. And a lot of his players, I mean here is the real problem. They had regressed. I mean you're talking about an offensive coordinator and a quarterback's coach and you get a freshman quarterback like Keaton Solvis and he has regressed every single year it has been worse than the previous one. So um just a bad fit and in the biggest thing for USC is that he had lost the confidence of the players. He had lost the confidence of the fan base, the alumni, big name alumni were coming out on social media and saying, I cannot support this team. And you can't have that.
2: Well, uh, that was a crazy game. And Stanford dominated the game. And uh, probably the strangest thing that happened in that game, we saw a targeting call by the kicker.
1: Right? Oh, amazing.
2: Six six seconds into the
1: game. <laughs> six seconds into the game, Parker Lewis gets called for a targeting call, and I'm like, oh, I have a bad feeling. That was an easy bet, by the way. He makes 17 and a half points. I mean, like, even... Like, even if USC had found a way to win, 17 and a half points was a crazy line.
2: Arash, that was one of my best bets at our best bet segment. Oh, yeah. I I, I had Stanford, and uh, wow, I didn't know it was going to cost Clay Hilton his (laughs) job, though. But uh, so, okay, here's what I said. I want to get your thoughts on this. I'm saying USC. They need a proven coach. Okay, no more alums. No more family reunions. You know, forget the Lane Kiffins, the Steve Sarkeesian no. of the world. Clay Helton was an intern. Forget this. USC has to unload the wallet here, and they need to entice the best possible coach they can. Who do they go after, and how soon do they pull a trigger with this, and what do you expect to happen?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think they, they totally agree with that. I mean, obviously, like um – Urban Meyer is a name that you're going to hear. I mean, that one just doesn't make sense to me because he just got to Jacksonville and just coached his first game. I think that would would have been a name that would have made a ton of sense a year ago. You know, maybe Bob Stoops, maybe uh, Chris Peterson. Just, just again, when to your point, and I 100% agree with you. Coaches who have proven themselves, who have won championships as a head coach, because people got to remember Clay Hilton had not been a head coach before he got the job. And I think that's why a lot of USC fans were really upset with that hire. It's like, if this guy didn't get the USC job, what other head coaching job is he going to get? I mean, he, he has never been a head coach before. So this is not a, this is not a program where you get your first head coaching job. And so I'm with you there, you know, I've heard James Franklin's name come out, you know, so no, matter who they hire, I do believe it's important for this coach to have been a head coach somewhere and to have won somewhere. I mean, to come here with a track record of success, of being a proven head coach.
2: How much of the the truth, we've heard stories that – that basically the coaches that were there before, I don't want to say the word puppet, but you know what I mean. You know, they weren't Pete Carroll. They weren't leaders. They weren't innovators. They weren't going to, like, stand on their own feet and and basically, you know, like, you know, take a lot of chances, you know. And I don't mean just play calling, but I mean, you know, recruiting and that, you know, kind of just be these guys that, hey, this is my program. And and those last few coaches they had, and Clay Helton definitely was not one of those guys. Is that kind of the, the view that you have there as well, too?
1: You know, the problem that they had was they bring in Lane Kiffin and Steve Sarkeesian to kind of, like, remake the magic of Pete Carroll because, again, those those two guys were, uh, you know, top assistants under Carroll. And there, there was just so much drama, like, off the field. I mean, obviously what happened if Steve Sarkeesian here has been well chronicled, where Lane Kiffin had his own problems. And so what ended up happening is, like, Clay Helton was so, like, kind of assuming, so not going to create controversy, not going to be uh, you know drunk or anything like that. I mean, like, it was such a low bar, but by the time Clay Helton got the job, they were so happy to get a mild-mannered good man who was not going to be a distraction Like but that, that that was good enough for them. That was the worst thing that that happened, because it wasn't that Clay Helton was this amazing coach. I mean, he went 5-2 after season. Sarkisian gets fired. He they they go five and two. They get blown out in the Pac-12 championship game. They they lose in the Holiday Bowl. They start the following season one and three. If if it had not been for Sam Darnold, Clay Helton would have lost his job a long time ago. I mean, Sam Darnold, who didn't even start that season as the quarterback, gets the job, and then turns around that season, turns around the following season. And, and again, like that was the high watermark for Clay Helton, and that's why he got to keep the job as long as he did. But, again, he, he was being compared to Sarkeesian and Kiffin, which, which were just so much drama, so much distraction, that they were just happy to have a good guy be the coach. And it's like, that's not good enough at USC. Well,
2: I guess the good news is Clay Hilton did get fired on the tarmac, you know, like, like Leighton Kiffin. I know, right?
1: right? Jeez, <laughs> you want to talk about self inflicted wounds. Yeah, terrible.
2: Arash Mikazi uh, does a fantastic job checking out the morning column on Substack and the Mightier 1090. How are you liking the radio, man?
1: I love it. It's been, it's been a ton of fun. You know, I mean, it's got a great signal, so you hear it crystal clear in Los Angeles yep. and in San Diego. So it's been a blast so far.
2: All right, tell our listeners how they can catch you, man.
1: Yeah, so uh, 12 to uh, 1 on uh, the Mightier 1090. You can also uh, catch it on the radio and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, doing Substack. A lot of people are Sub Substack. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar just began uh, his own Substack as well.
2: Wow, excellent, man. All right, well, hey, I always love your stuff, and I love seeing you here in, in town running into you. And now we've made this connection. I definitely want to have you you know, on much more often, my friend.
1: Thank you so much. I would love that. You got it. All right, Arash. Be good, my friend. Take care. Thank
2: you. Arash Bakarazzi. There he is. Worked for the LA Times for so many years. ESPN, Sports Illustrated. And again, uh, not the mighty 1090. It's the mightier 1090 since... They shut down for a while, rebranded, and uh, you can catch him there. He's doing radio in the morning column uh, every morning. He's got that on Substack. All right. Appreciate him. Paul Buck Power Stewart, this hour. Next hour, we've got Scott Spritzer. We start diving into the college board on Saturday and then also NFL action on Sunday. Yes, it is the T.C. Martin Show on a thunderous Thursday, pumping up the jams. <laughs>
0: Solomon Kimley in the backfield. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. And
2: Tua throwing the other way to a wide
0: open Durham Spike for the touchdown. It's the T.C. Martin Show. 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 Diagnosis. Shotgun. Murray. Prognosis. Out of the pocket.
4: 7 seconds, 6 seconds, Murray hits it downfield, it is, oh it's caught, it is caught, De'Andre Hopkins, it's the doctor,
0: miraculous,
4: T.C.
1: Murray.
2: definitely saw some murray magic in week one didn't we with the arizona cardinals Ugh, the new revamped arizona cardinals looked pretty darn good no doubt about it appreciate uh, everyone joining us here on this thunderous thursday edition of the tc martin show I want to thank paul buck power stewart our guy in england buckpower.com for joining us uh, first hour as well as arash Bakazi. The former writer of the LA Times, ESPN, SI, now doing radio in Southern California. And also, he's got his column, the morning column, on Substack. So you can catch all of that up on the website a little bit later on today. Hour number two, Scott Spreitzer is going to join us. We start talking NFL week number two. I love doing that. You know, we kind of recap, especially when we had a Monday night football game here in Vegas with the Raiders and the Ravens. Spend Monday, Tuesday kind of recap and Wednesday start looking ahead. Now Thursday, boom, we start driving full force. And then of course Friday, come on out to the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. Inside the William Hill Sportsbook at the Cosmopolitan, no better place to be on a Friday or a weekend, for that matter. And uh, come join us, of course, two to four p.m. each and every Friday, live on location at the Cosmopolitan, Las Vegas. Going to be a lot of fun tomorrow. And yes, our best bet segment happening again, like it happens every Friday. And you can go back and check out our last best bets that are up on the website at tcmartinshow.com. Check it all out. Yes. Some of us went 3-0 in college. Some of us didn't do so good on Sunday. But we can all point at the Green Bay Packers. That's what we point at. What happened with the Green Bay Packers? Well, there's a lot of things that happened with the Green Bay Packers. Aaron Rodgers has some thoughts uh, about that as well, too. So we're going to hear from Aaron Rodgers as he appeared on the Pat McAfee show uh, a few days ago. And if you saw that game where the Packers were non-competitive. Totally non-competitive against the Saints in the game played in Jacksonville. And there were probably, I was going to say, just as many pa- Packer fans there than Saints fans. And that, that's accurate. I mean, Packers always draw well when they play in Florida, when they play in Tampa, or they play in Jacksonville. and uh, But the Packers were just atrocious. And I know a lot of people want to say, well, it's because Aaron Rodgers didn't take any snaps in the preseason. All right, There are a lot of quarterbacks that didn't take any snaps in the preseason. How many snaps did Matthew Stafford take in the preseason? How would he look? He looked fantastic, didn't he, against the Bears. So, yeah, you can make that argument. People are going to say, well, Rodgers still has this, this problem with, with the Packers' front office. And that's one thing. you got a problem with the, with the front office. But he didn't have a problem with Matt LaFleur, their head coach, which a lot of people thought that he did last year. But the bottom line is this. The Saints were ready to play. The Saints did get a full preseason. They had a very good preseason. And when you go through a tragedy or a travesty or a near tragedy like they went through with Hurricane Ida, it brings you closer together. You have to go on the road. You've got to pack everything up. You have to evacuate. They've been basically you know, staying in, in hotels in Fort Worth, Texas, and turned in uh, their training camp to, uh, over at TCU. And it it does a lot for you. I mean, you are forced to be away from your family. You're forced to focus on your craft and for, focus on the important things in life. And they had this game circled on their calendar. This is supposed to be a home game for them. They lost a home game. They had to play it in Jacksonville. They were the hungrier team. They were the better team. They blew out the Packers. Now, does this mean the Packers are going to have a subpar season? No, I don't think that's the case. And we'll dive into that when we start handicapping their week two game Monday night against the Detroit Lions. Aaron Rodgers didn't have too much to say in the post-game press conference except he said, hey, this is one game, you know, it's a 17-game season. You know, you guys don't need to panic. I mean, he didn't go to the relaxed terminology that that we saw before. But we've seen the Packers when they went to Tampa and they got blown out by by the Buccaneers. They they responded back. Okay, we've seen this happen before. But you want to hear from Aaron Rodgers? Here's what he had to say. Part of the Pat McAfee show, the former punter uh, from the Colts back in the day, who has got himself a nice little you know podcast. But Aaron Rodgers speaking about the Week One loss.
0: A game like that allows all these speculation to come into play. Should we have played in the preseason? You know, should we have done this? Should we have done that? And we got to deal with it because we just got our asses whooped. That's fine. It might be a freak out outside of the facility. Uh, I think it's just a, you know, it's a good learning lesson for us. You know, we can't, we can't play like that. We can't start a game like that. Look, there's not much to say. We got our asses beat. We're all frustrated about it. But just move on. We got 16 more to go. Pat McAfee, you got a great show. I'm joined by Kimberly Martin and... Rob Ninkovich, as you can see, um, we've heard it a lot—like only seven padded practices, not enough time. Blah blah blah. Is one more week enough for, for enough time for Rodgers and the offense to get it together? Okay, well, let,
1: let's start with let's start with Kimberly. Let's see what Kim has to say about this one.
3: You know, I'm gonna hope it
1: is because I think the loss, though, for me, they got blued out, guys. <laughs> blued out. It was so bad. That's why I think that's gonna be the catalyst because you see, Aaron.
2: Okay, so two things with that. That's Aaron Rodgers, okay? And then we come back, and I actually want to play two clips there. One talking about Rodgers. And then, so that was on the new ESPN show. It's called, uh, what? yeah, This Just In. And uh, so Max Kellerman decided to go to Kimberly Martin. No relation, by the way. But that was the first time that I heard anyone say, what'd you say? They got blued out. They got blued out. Was that a color? Was it red? Was it yellowish? Was it goldish? They got blued out, Kimberly. What are you doing? How about they got blown out? That's what they got. They got blown out. They didn't get blued out. That was that. that was amazing. Anyway, but uh, so Aaron Rodgers taking that road, and I understand that, and that's really the only road that you can take at this point in time by saying, you know what, we got our asses kicked. Got to hand it to us. That's fine. Okay. And uh, they will respond to that. So, Packer fans, I don't think that you're that that you're sweating about this. I don't know. Uh, I want to bring my man Gilby here, who, who just joined us last week, and I bring him in because he is a Packer fan and he's wearing the Packer uh garb today first of all i appreciate you being part of the show my man he's with us at the cosmopolitan on fridays you're hanging out with us today uh welcome aboard to the show
4: pleasure tc thank you so much and to be able to talk about the packers right away i mean how (laughs) exciting is that
2: all right so you're a season ticket holder? Used to be you, yes for you, 12 to, years. For 12 I was, years. I was
4: blessed enough to have season you tickets. You and I did
2: not know each other, but we were back in Green Bay at the exact same time yeah. yep. and you were you were kind of on the outskirts, Yes. a part part of the Anago Hall of Fame. Yeah. There you go, a little small town, <laughs> hockey about, Hall of Fame. Uh, about an hour and a half away or so, you know, from yeah. Green Bay. There you go. So so I know Anago. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um what are your thoughts first of all from week 1 and then from when you heard from Rogers there?
4: Well, it's typical Aaron Rodgers, just to start off with. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is who we always thought he was, and for me, week one on Sunday, I was at my mom's watching the first half, and I was done watching in the first quarter because I could see the writing on the wall. (laughs) A, the offense, three and out, four and out, and then the defense, A, could not get off the field, and... Number 20, King, the cornerback, same guy that Brady exploited in the championship game, two big past uh, 15, 20-yarders, and I go, this game's over. When they got that last touchdown, 17 to nothing at halftime, I packed up my yeah. car and, mm-hmm. and I drove home because I knew I didn't need to watch any more of the rest of the game.
2: Yeah, I was pretty much in the exact same <laughs> yeah. situation. It was like you just saw the way this thing was going, and, and the Packers had some opportunities. They, they did, and you know, you know, Rogers threw a couple picks but again i don't you know as a packer fan and you still talk to people back in green bay mm-hmm. are have they hit the panic button or 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 do you think that okay they realize we've seen this channel before this is a one off
4: it's a one off basically i mean that's what we're hoping But for me, it's always been the defense. The offense is always going to come around. They always have talent on the offense, maybe not a running back every year. But you know that Rodgers is going to come around. And Rodgers is one of those guys that he needs rhythm. He needs to get going. He needs to get the ball out. And as much as you think that he loves to hold the ball and get it all the way down, he needs to get in there. They only ran what fifteen plays in the first half. Yeah. The defense couldn't right. get off the field.
2: Can't move the sticks. He can't, not, yep. The,
4: yep. It's one of those things. that's so frustrating as a fan. They're not pick, They're not. They are not panicking yet, because as you said, he didn't get into the R E L A X. Mm. They usually start mm. off slow in the first four games, so it's always like a little bit of hesitation. But normally the offense is clicking earlier, so we're hoping to get that in the next. Two games. Everybody gets better during the uh, when they play the Lions. I hope, you know they. Uh, but that's, they.
2: That's the remedy, right?
4: Usually, <laughs> uh, uh, th- they came back at the end of the game against yeah. the 49ers. You know, onside kick for the Lions, and they go down and score a touchdown. So the Niners defense kind of let them down against the Lions. But usually you get better against the Lions. Eleven points is a lot, but I think this is one that they just really go out there and say, okay, this is who we really are. Mm-hmm. But the defense has still got to be able to get off the field.
0: Five letters here. Just for everybody out there in Packerland and yourself today.
2: R E L A X. Yes, we've heard that before, Aaron Rodgers. Just relax. And here's the thing. I will put some credence into not taking snaps during the preseason. Especially when you have two weeks. Between your last preseason game and your NFL kickoff opener, okay, Th- there is something to that. And him and Devonte Adams, they've got the chemistry, mm-hmm. okay, you know that. But the passes that he was throwing to Valdez Scanling and some of the other guys, we we heard all of this about. Bring Randall Cobb back. We bring Ram- They bring Randall Cobb back. Where was Randall Cobb? I didn't even see him suit up. Was he targeted maybe one time? I don't know. Was he wearing number 18? No, I didn't. Did not see him. No. But then again, I did give up on the game early in the second half. <laughs> I too. lasted a little bit longer than you did. Yeah. You know what I mean? And again, my traditional Sunday is I love being locked down, sequestered at home. I've got yep. my, my direct TV package. I've got all of my games lined up. So when I see a team that's non-competitive, especially one that I bet on and I'm frustrated— I'm off of that game. But I did not even see Randall Cobb. Was there a Randall Cobb sighting? I did not even see him once in the first
4: half that I watched. And I'm going, this was your big move?
2: Yeah. Nothing. Nothing at all. Nothing.
4: We see this from Rodgers and the Packers always in the first six games of the season, I I think. Because I've been watching them for the... 45 years that I've been able to watch football. I'm 53, so, you know, started really watching it at six. Yeah, I remember yeah, the 2-14 yeah. and 14 Packers and the yeah, Bart Starr yeah, Packers yeah. and the uh, Lindy on Packers. Yeah, you yeah, know, there's been a lot of losses, and yeah. thank God for Favre and then Rodgers that have mm-hmm. two Hall of Fame quarterbacks for the last 20 years it is unbelievable, but they always seem to start off slow, mm-hmm. and... For me, it's all. It's always been the defense, and it will be the defense. The one year we won the Super Bowl with Reggie White, we had a defense. The one year that we won the Super Bowl with Rodgers, we happened to get a defense after all season being really injured, but for some reason they played. Yeah. So no panic button yet, but we always get this early from the Packers.
2: There it is. We, we got a wee guy here. Yeah. We got the wee. Sorry, there, there, that's, Sorry no. I'm
4: not supposed
1: to do that. <laughs> no, that's,
2: that's okay. You're a fan. That's, that's, that's quite all right. All right. Packers will get l- well. Uh, against the Lions and that's always been the remedy in the past and we know that the, the Packers have dominated the Bears and spe- specifically the Lions or the better part of the the past 20 years so uh, I expect it again you know Jared Goff the the Lions played exactly how I thought they would play they got off to such a horrendous start at home and there's always hope as we know Week 1, everyone's 0-0, you know, nil and nil as Paul Buck Power Stewart would say, right? Everyone's nil and nil to start the season off and you're at home and you know, you get the first drive like okay, that that's all good, but the Niners just jumped in front of them in the first half and they're like, okay, they're done. And Dan Campbell's going to bring some enthusiasm. I get that, but they still don't have the roster. I mean, Detroit is still Detroit. I mean, just year after year after year of bad drafts, uh bad free agent pickups, and again, just Matt bat- Millen as GM for a long time. Yeah, I- you know, and I know a lot of people like to point, point at Matt Millen, but still, you know, you had coaching. Yeah. And then, you know, again, you you didn't have – you've never had a really a decent offensive line never. in Detroit. I mean, Barry Sanders could have played probably another six or seven years. If he had a better offensive line. I mean, Absolutely. he did everything on his own. And the same thing with the quarterback position. And, you know, people always want to talk about, well, look how you know Green Bay has had Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers basically for the better part of the last 30-plus years. And then they, what do they always show? The comparison to who? The mm-hmm. Bears and the Lions and the rest of the division, and they've had over 100 quarterbacks, right? Correct. At least. So it does start with that. And by getting rid of Matthew Stafford, I'm glad the Lions got rid of him. So Matt Stafford can get another fresh beginning, and, we can, and, and he's getting that now. And we
4: can see exactly what he could be.
2: Yes, absolutely. Without
4: a bad coach, without maybe with, with a heck of a defense, obviously, this year. So... Mm-hmm. I'm excited for him, yep. and I'm really happy for the NFC Norris division. You know, the North, mm-hmm. and because everybody's zero and one, nobody in that division won last week, right. so everybody's still tied. But now you don't have to go through Stafford. You got Cousins as the co- as, as the quarterback in Minnesota, and Chicago will get Fields on the on the field mm-hmm. eventually, probably by week five or six. It could be as early as next week. Could be. Yeah. Y- you saw how the offensive lineman really got behind him after he got that touchdown. So I think it's just a matter of time before the Bear fans finally get a quarterback that they want.
2: Go Bears! And then, you know, you don't back to the Lions, you're not doing yourself uh, a great service when you think that you've got an upgrade with Jared Goff. I mean, that guy you know, I've, I've been I've been Goff too many either. times. Yep. Not not a fan at all. And uh, so yeah, time will tell. But you know, back you know, to the Bears. This team's Defense was supposed to be the calling card again. And how are you feeling if you're Khalil Mack right now? I mean, you know, you say, hey, I want out of of being a Raider just because I don't like any part of this. Whether it's Oakland, whether it's Las Vegas, forget about it. And, yeah, he signed for the bigger money. I get that. I understand it. But we see it all the time where guys go, they think, to greener pastures. And that's not the case. I mean, that Chicago Bear defense was atrocious last week. again. horrible.
4: Yeah. I mean, Mac had the honeymoon. He won the divorce for the first year, then COVID hit last year. And I think you saw a little bit of who the line, or the Bears' defense really is. And then this year, I think you're seeing it a little bit again to where I don't think they're going to be as good as they were when he got there two years ago. And they got rid of a lot of players to be able to make that trade with the Raiders. So with the Bears, I'm thinking their defense is going to be a lot less and 7-10 and team maybe this year. And it, that, it, I think it, that's on the plus part, and yeah. that's if they get Fields in, onto the field mm-hmm. and, uh, get, and get some um, just difference in their offense. You know, what Nagy can do, what Nagy was able to do down when he was the Chiefs offensive coordinator, you know, get that kind of system in there that I think Fields will really be able to execute for.
2: Right. And as far as Minnesota goes, I mean, they, they had a golden opportunity to be 1-0 sitting at the top of the division. And if you think that that's not a big deal, take advantage of any time the Packers lose, you, you have to, yep. to, to gain ground. And especially when you're on the road at Cincinnati to open your season. And again, they're a better football team than the Cincinnati Bengals. There's no question about it, but how much of the Kirk cousins drama that we saw with the COVID not going to be vaccinated. I'm being outspoken about all this stuff being cousins. And then you go in there and you lay an egg against Cincinnati and you lose in overtime. I mean, it's like, okay, you know we we kind of gave this game away but now we got a chance at least to 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 maybe make it right in the OT and you can't even get that done i mean you're supposed to beat the Bengals. Everybody's supposed to beat the Bengals, and they should be sitting on top of the division right now. You let a golden opportunity get away if you're a Vikings fan.
4: They let it slip right through their hands. Yeah. And I'm like every fan. Whenever you're, you, the schedule comes out in May and you're looking at the teams that your team's playing, those Minnesota Vikings fans are looking at they're going, oh, we're going to the Bengals? That's a win. Mm-hmm. Everybody's thinking that's a W. And when you go down there and lay an egg like that, and I was a big fan of Zimmerman. Uh, uh, defensive coordinator when he came from there, went to the uh, Vikings as a head coach. But his defense just has not really... Mm-hmm. Following him right. from there to the Minnesota Vikings, and I really can 't understand it obviously when you 're a head coach you got so much more to do, but you think he 'd be able to instill a little bit of his philosophies mm-hmm. and his and his, his spunk mm-hmm. that he always had and on those defenses uh, uh before
2: he got there and he 's had personnel i mean he 's yeah. had some very good personnel mm-hmm. and actually, unlike the Lions, the Vikings have drafted well, yeah uh, for the most part they have drafted well, so there there is no excuse you know for the Vikings and again they saw all the stuff that happened in green bay in the off season and rogers not wanting to return so you know they got a little full of themselves i think they actually thought hey this is going to be our division to win and they they took the bengals for granted was a you little know? complacency yeah definitely I think, I think definitely that was the case so mm-hmm. all right a little look at the uh, nfc north uh tonight we do have football Thank it's God. a little bit different than last thursday of course You know, the opener is always good. I mean, you always have the defending champs playing. So you had Tampa Bay and Dallas, which turned out to be a very good football game last week. But now we get to what I like to say, the nonsense games where we have to now resort to alternative hype. Are we going to see the color rush again? Like, hey, let's let's dress these guys up like Halloween costumes just so we can get people to, to watch these games. Because. Who do we always see normally on Thursday nights? It's the Jacksonville Jaguars or the Tennessee Titans or, you know, Mm -hmm. other bad teams, the lions, the bears. We see this nonsense all the time. And uh, now what do we get tonight? (laughs) The joke of the division that we made fun of every week last year. Okay. The NFC least you got the giants and you've got the Redskins. Oh, by the way, both records. 0-1, 0-1, oh oh right? So, we're going to get back to this. Now, I always say when I see games like this, the perfect time to go to a movie. Go to a movie theater's back open. That's what you do. You go to the movies when you see these type of matchups. However, I did watch the game very closely last week with Washington and the Chargers. And I was believing a little bit of the hype because Fitzpatrick was there, and yeah. I like Fitz Fitzpatrick, and I like Ron Rivera. And... I give Ron Rivera a lot of credit for taking this job, knowing that you got to work under Daniel Snyder, and not easy. Uh, uh, exactly, not easy. And he went in there and said, "You know." what, And Daniel Snyder said, "Ron, we're going to let you take this team." Kind of like what I was talking about with Arash <laughs> about about USC when Pete Carroll was the coach at USC, it, it was his team. And sure, Pete might have broke some violations or whatever. But again, what, today's I mean, what NCAA violations? Very, everything's very very loose, right? But you know, I I I like Ron Rivera and the team that they have assembled. So I thought this could be the team, and I do like Jalen Hurts, of course. Everyone knows that with Philadelphia. I thought, okay, these two teams are going to be pretty good, and they're going to be better than what's anticipated. And Fitzpatrick goes down right away. And I'm thinking, okay, here we go again. Right, now you got to bring in the beer can. You got to yeah. bring in Heineke. So 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 Heineken has to come in and. He played okay, just like he did in the
4: playoff game, just like he did in the you playoff did Tampa Bay. Exactly, yep.
2: right. Doable, so, doable so, quarterback. So I am interested in this game tonight, and I think this is a tale of two different teams going opposite directions. I'm playing the Redskins. Ooh. I said the Redskins. Matt, I said it. Yes, you did. I'm say. playing Washington tonight. Yeah. I already yeah. played Washington. Yeah. But this Giants team, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying Why the Giants. You? Exactly. Why Saquon Barkley's still injured. You saw what he did last week. What, 26 yards? Yeah. He wasn't ready. Now N- not in he'll, he'll be better. He'll be better. Mm-hmm. But still, Daniel Jones, a reach out of Duke with that draft pick. He's proving it. He's proving He's it. He's exactly. proving it now. Exactly. So uh, even though this is not going to be – it shouldn't be a great game to, to watch, but I think from a betting perspective – I'm going to be watching it because I'm all in on Washington.
4: You're all in on Washington. Yeah. And this is about, the for me, for the, the Giants offensive line, and everybody's been talking about it at the preseason. Jones, at quarterback, he has 40 fumbles so far in his 27 games so far that he has started. And it's one of those things that when you can't trust your quarterback to be able to hold on to the ball, Right. Everybody around you just loses their confidence, and I think their defense is going to be fairly well. I think it's going to be a little bit better. I love I love Judd as as the new head coach. I think he's got him on a on a good mental um, case going forward. Washington after with, with Heineke in there, I thought they they played a doable game. Their defense is fantastic. Um, Chase is a becoming a standout already, just the second game of, right. a, of, a, of a second, second season. Second right. season. Right. And I just think that, all in all, this is going to be an under game. I think if there's anything that I had to play, if, like you already said that you took the Washington football team. If I if somebody said, w- what do you have to do? That? I think the under, because I just think it's going to be defense, defense, defense. 20 to a 10 games something like that that's the kind of feel that I get out of
2: it. Under 40 and a half. Very yeah. low total. Yeah, it's yeah. very low total. But, Whenever
4: yeah. the books put something low like you see a 38 39, yeah. you know that they know something. Yeah. So it's right out there. they're never, not quite sure. And plus it's week 2, so you can still find you can find some value in some of these things from the sports book. Yeah. Yet.
2: Yeah, and uh, the old adage goes, I mean, you take you know the lowest total, and you go under. You take the highest total, yep. and you usually go over. And mm-hmm. again, th- there's a reason why those yeah. numbers are. But I'm, the I'm place excited for are. the game. It's yeah.
4: Thursday. Yeah. We've, we've got 17 weeks, and, and to get back to your. The, the all one color uniform with the solid red. Play, the I don't want to see that tonight. Oh, my gosh. Are we going to see this tonight? Do I we? don't think. Last year they, they kind of got away from it a little yeah. bit, but they do have a different oh, we jersey. St- we still saw it yeah. last year. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. remember
2: Seattle but, with a highlighter, you know, yeah, whatever you call it, the green, the green or, yeah, the or whatever, whatever that is. Green,
4: the yeah. 1980s green from, yeah. you know, from back in the day. Absolutely. Um, and. Two years ago, when CBS re-upped on this Thursday night contract, they said we need better games, and you were getting to this point to where the Thursday night game was one that they just fulfilled the Mm -hmm. prime time because everybody's got every team has got to play in prime time now because of all these outlets that they have. So on Thursday, you got to see the back in the day Jacksonville versus Cleveland, Mm -hmm. or you know they would always put divisional games together, usually divisional games, but that meant something, right? Because it meant something in the standings, but would always be the two bottom teams of, of, of the division. Yeah,
2: which we are pretty much we are getting tonight. Mm-hmm. And the reason why they do that too is because of travel. Because the NFL Players Association, they want out of these Thursday night games. They I don't no nobody likes to play on a no. Thursday, especially when you get done playing on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. So they try to keep the travel to a minimum because you're no one's practicing on Monday. Tuesday right. is traditionally an off day. And now if if you're playing on Thursday Basically, you have one day of practice or no days of practice. Mm, makes sense. I mean, yeah. So, I mean, that's the situation. So, with Thursday Night Football, it's nice that, okay, we get to go home tonight and we get to say, hey, we get to watch football. But for me, I don't want to watch bad football. I don't either. And especially as we get later on in the season, I don't want to be watching a game 5-11 and 11 <laughs> against you know 4-12. and 12. Right. And that's what we've seen. Mm-hmm. You get a lot of that on Thursday night. Yeah.
4: And... Unfortunately, that's going to happen. But even that, there's not football. You know, if there wasn't football on Thursday yeah. night, ESPN used to do a great package with all the college games. Absolutely, on, on and, and what happened to those games? They
2: were meaningful I, games. Those were
4: meaningful games. We would see like
2: happened. Virginia Tech and Miami yep. and, and teams of that nature. Yep. So you know, we would d- see that.
4: You know. You, nFL 's king, so they wanted to get as much of the pie as they could, but yeah. at least they're starting to get better games on Thursday because they got uh when Fox got it last year, you know mm-hmm. when you got the Aikman and you got Buck calling, they got the main callers you used to be on NFL right. network only kind of thing, so mm-hmm. uh, at least they're they have, I think they've addressed it as far as getting better matchups for Thursday night. Yeah.
2: We'll see. Well, we don't have one tonight. It'll be no, <laughs> to, to, to take a look at the schedule. Yeah. All right. When we come back, Scott Spritzer is going to join us, and we will talk to Scott about handicapping tonight's game and the college docket on Saturday, plus plenty of NFL on Sunday. <laughs> Logic and insanity mixed into a perfect prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Thursday night football tonight, yeah, is the weekend. It's just like we have four day weekends all the time now, right? Thursday, Friday. Five! Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, then of course Monday night football, right? You got to love it. Oh, Earth and Fire. Are you kidding me? On a a Music Thursday? Every day's a Music Thursday, right? All right, let's talk to our guy, Scott Spreitzer, Doc Sports handicapping it and a guy who knows a little bit about earth and wind and fire as well too he's dancing right now i can see it what's going on brother I can dig it.
0: <laughs> little Earth, Wind, and Fire, you know? I know you can. I know you can. Uh, Philip Bailey, Reasons. I mean, how can you miss uh, out on that one, right? Uh, there you go. See, <laughs> it's
2: funny. I was going to ask you, what's your favorite Earth, Wind, and Fire song? You know? I was going to say you go well, September. Well, you just heard one of them September. right there.
0: What I just told you, no doubt about it, man. When Bailey kicks into that next octave, it's like, all right, that's it. I'm out of here. Do, do you know how many
2: babies were conceived during that song, Scott? You know? Absolutely. <laughs> <You> <laughs> we know, had over unders when I was ten years old when that song came out of whatever it was. There you <laughs> go. Exactly, exactly. So funny thing about about this song about reasons though. So uh, so many people think that like they this is such a, a great it is a great song. It's a great love song that people used to request this for their first dance at their wedding song. Okay? And people mm-hmm. go, Oh, I want reasons. And they, they oh it's a great first dance. Great. So talked to Philip Bailey one time and we had this conversation and he laughed his head off. He goes, yep. You know, I hear this all the time and he goes, Do you know what this song is all about? <laughs> I said, Oh yeah, I know what it's all about. He goes, But people that request this for their first dance at their wedding song he goes, People don't do it. It's about a one night stand. Exactly.
0: <laughs> I didn't know that there was such a heavily requested song for the first dance, and that's why I started chuckling when you mentioned it. Yeah. That's
2: and crazy. I'm going back to my old DJ days when I used to do a lot of, of, of weddings and all of those type of things. And people would say that. Uh, I said, well, you might want to rethink. Ted, let me print out the lyrics for you, and maybe you could, <laughs> you could pick, like, Always and Forever by Heatwave or something like that. There you, know? you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. but uh, And I've told this story before, too. With, so sometimes when I DJ and these guys would be, take forever to get, you know, to, like, the hall. And, and I'm, like, waiting and I'm waiting to, to start, you know, playing. So what I would do, Scott, I would throw on, like, say, hey, okay, here's your first dance. Uh, here's Tina Turner. What's love got to do with it? And they'd look at me like, <laughs> what? What? What?
3: <laughs> Yeah, don't mess with the DJ. the
0: The only wedding that I ever DJed, uh, we that was back when you had you know the time, you had the bird. Oh yeah, you know what time is it? All that kind of good stuff, and of course, you know I I played you know stuff like uh, from from the time like um, uh, what was it called again? Um, uh, Jungle Love, Fishnet, Fishnet, oh, Fishnet, pantyhose, There you go. Absolutely, yeah. ice cream castles, all yeah. that good stuff. My gig, my only DJ gig other than radio, which was actually live DJ gig, I lasted for about six weeks, and I called it quits. It was a rock and roll nightclub here in Las Vegas back in the late, I don't know, I guess it would have been mid, early 90s. I'm sorry, late 80s, early 90s. And this place was a hop and happen in place. And then I started DJing there. It was packed. My audition was on a ladies' night, on a Wednesday night, live right there. And there was a band called uh, Little Sister, who was playing there that night? The nightclub. Don't laugh because it wasn't called for the reason you're thinking in 2021. But the nightclub was called Crackers, spelled with a K, <laughs> and, and as in Polly wants a cracker, and uh, and so anyway, uh, that was my experience. And and I got to tell you, TC, since we're on it, nobody cares but you and me probably. <laughs> but uh, oh, you'd be it, My DJ name was yeah. Scott Isaac, and I remember the state. Uh, the uh, DJ booth was above the bar stage other end of the nightclub I climb down these stairs I get down there and I'm standing by the bar on my audition night on ladies night this girl walks up to me and she says hey you want to dance and I'm like sure and she goes what's your name again I go Scott Isaac the the music was playing real loud and she goes what was it I go go, Isaac and from that night point on I was Ozzy
2: she thought I said Ozzy Unbelievable. Uh, so Gilby's in, in studio here. That Crackers was a he great venue. He knows Crackers.
4: Crackers was a great venue. He went here. to it's Crackers. For years.
2: Look at that. You probably were there the night that Scotty Isaac was playing. Could
4: have been. Uh, Moby Grape too. at that time was fantastic. Oh, my gosh. Oh yes. Look at this. Moby Grape. Oh yeah, I remember those days.
0: <laughs> Do you remember a band, by the way, called Diamondback? Yes. And uh, her name was Bev, was the lead Ooh, yeah. singer. And I used to hang out with that that little group of people there for a couple of years in the late '80s, early '90s. This yep. is funny. Yeah. This is your life going on here. It really is. Uh, what
2: did I say at the beginning of this show? How this could take a left turn at any point in time with Paul Buckpower Stewart from England? Right? No, we. There we go. We're on the. We're on the crackers.
4: The, fine we're on the, the right
2: side of the road here now. There we go. Oh, too That's, funny. that's great stuff.
0: I don't know anybody now. This is the first person I've met who remembers Crackers. There you go. So I love, love that it. place.
4: It was a great <laughs> rock and roll joint. I saw Blue Oyster Cult there in that That's small right. little venue. And yep. what a great place to
0: see people. A great great bands. that yeah. held maybe, I don't know, 200 people. Yeah. You know? See, so it was just a great I, time. I know
2: there's a reason why we brought the G-Man up, uh, you know, you know, part of the team here. So there you go. There you go. <laughs> All right. Good stuff. All right. Fish Net. Morris Day in the time. Love it. And uh, Morris Day. He might be listening right now. Las Vegas. You know, native, he's been here for quite some time now, Scott. He's living here. Well, I'm going to yeah. ask him, what time is it then, right? I mean, come on, boys. There you go. <laughs> Scott, bring me a mirror. There you go. <laughs> Jerome, forget, forget <laughs> Jerome. We got we got Scott Isaac. There it is. That's so great. I want to go, go Scotty Isaac. That sounds better. Just like Walter and Scotty from The Whispers. Yeah. Oh yeah. Scotty yeah. Scott. Scott. There you go. There's another good reference. Oh yeah. My guys. <laughs> My guys. All right, man. Week one underdogs, twelve and four. Nine dogs win outright, most in week one history, I believe. At least in like the last fifty five years, right? Oh man, it was crazy. There was one dog that really really
0: busted my chops, though, T.C., Mm. and that was uh, the Miami Dolphins, and we've seen this movie before with this team. They did absolutely nothing, and they beat the Patriots with 140 fewer yards, 140, I think it was 134 fewer yards to be exact, and I had New England, obviously, as you can tell by the tone of my voice, not only outgained them by 130-plus, but had the ball a couple of times deep in Miami territory, had the ball with three minutes to go inside the Miami 10, but they couldn't find the handle on the football, fumbled the ball four times, turned it over a couple of times, and it was like a reminder of what Miami was doing last year and the year before about you know, being out-yarded by 100 to 150 yards, sometimes more. Uh, the Rams, wet by them, kind of comes to the front of the memory section of my brain when I think about all the yards they were out-yarded by. Just, it seemed like week after week, and yet they were in games and won a lot of those games. So uh, that bothered me a lot, but we got them back on Monday night with the Raiders. And I was talking to a good friend of ours, a sports book director here in town yesterday, and he said they were really happy with Sunday's results. They were really unhappy with Monday's results. And he told me the betting TC at one point, like going into Monday morning, they had received like 60% of the bets on Baltimore. And by kickoff, it had exactly flip flopped, and they had received about 60% of the bets on the Raiders
2: Yep, yeah I know I know exactly what you're saying exactly and we a lot of us were, were on the Raiders and we thought that was a good spot but when we were down 14 nothing we weren't too happy where we Scott At 14 nothing <laughs> we probably should have lost that game TC yes. you know I mean yes. it was a
0: situation where the Ravens had plenty of chances to pull away enough to to be able to win that football game and cover the spread and you know, thankfully, Lamar Jackson was able to fumble the football away a couple of times, and, and we got the win. But, you know, it happens a lot. And it was a little bit of payback, I felt, for what happened to be with New England right. on Sunday.
2: All right. So, Scott, let's uh, stick with these right now, since we, we're, we're talking Raiders and Ravens from Monday night and great atmosphere there at Legion Stadium. And congratulations for the Raiders for winning and uh, for, for covering for us. But now they go on the road to Pittsburgh. they got the short week. They've got that, you know, early game. And then you've got the cross-country uh, you know, trip as well, too. And Pittsburgh looked very good against the Buffalo Bills. Uh, give me some thoughts here as we got Pittsburgh basically laying five.
0: Yeah, I tell you what, I, I, I want to talk about that, that old
2: myth because I keep
0: hearing this on these new betting TV shows and in other locations around the country. Mm-hmm and that's that the West Coast team is like an automatic play against when they play on the East Coast. And I'm going to interrupt you
2: for a second because I know that we have talked about this before. I know where you're going, and you're right, and I I want you to go ahead and and dispel that myth because you're right. People still talk about that.
0: Yeah, going back over 30 years, when you're looking at that West Coast team on the East Coast and you're talking about the spread – it's right down the middle. It's almost 50-50. It's just a non-factor, as our boy Bill Walton would say. It's a non-factor. So I tell people all the time, don't make that part of your handicap. If you like the East Coast team at home, no matter what time of day they're playing, whether it's an early game, afternoon game, Sunday night, or Monday night game, it just doesn't matter. It's 50-50 for the most part. Now, The one little asterisk next to that, and one team, and we can talk about that a little bit, but one team that fits it is that if a West Coast team is on the East Coast for the second straight week, West Coast team in the Eastern Time Zone, second straight week, the West Coast team is a 70% winner against the spread. Uh, And and part of that has to do with that, you know, the the bookmakers see where the public's going to be betting, it's baked into the line, all that kind of good stuff. So anyway, having said that, it is an extremely tough spot for the Raiders because that was such an emotional game and win the other night, doing it in overtime, having less time to prepare for this game. And then if you look at what happened in that contest last week, listen, you know the, the, the Raiders gave up over six yards per play in that contest against Baltimore, and Baltimore wasn't exactly completely healthy. Uh, they also gained over six yards per play, but, again, they allowed over six yards per play. Uh, this number is a cutoff point for me. It's, it's where I'm not going to get involved in it in all likelihood I haven't yet. Uh, I thought Pittsburgh actually did, as you mentioned, played extremely well last week against Buffalo, but really that hinged, the outcome of that game or the change of that game uh, really hinged on a block punt for a touchdown. Uh, First half looked like it was going to be Buffalo winning probably by, you know, 17 to 20 points, They're up 10 zip at the break. But, you know, the Pittsburgh defense, it's a ball hawking secondary, and I'd be concerned about that. Uh, For me, it would be Pittsburgh or nothing in this game because I think the Raiders could find some trouble here trying to throw into that Pittsburgh secondary.
2: Right, and uh, you're talking about another one of those teams that stayed on these coasts. I know you're talking about the 49ers in that situation this week as they got to go play the Eagles, who played very, very well last week as well, and kudos to Jalen Hurts.
0: Yeah, and you're right. That's the team. I'm an Eastern time zone, second straight week for the West Coast team, and you do see nowadays, obviously, over the last several years where teams will stay. you know, in or close to the Eastern time zone rather than coming home and flying back. And, you know, again, like you mentioned, I thought Philadelphia couldn't have played any better, but at the same time, their opponent couldn't have played any worse in that game last week than they did talking about the Falcons. And in this particular game, listen, the 41-33 win by the Niners is about as misleading as it gets because, as you know, TC, it was an absolute mismatch, blowout, everything else uh, that you can call it until they basically you know, just wrapped it up and went home and let Detroit you know, take the field on their own, basically. But, listen, I really thought what the Eagles did was a little surprising. I mean, Jalen Hurts was absolutely fantastic. Uh, you got Sirianni getting that first win. Uh, this will be interesting this week because the Niners have an issue with most Start being out. They've got an issue in, D in the secondary with Barrett being out, and that keeps me off of this game. Otherwise, I would be firmly on – san francisco in this contest with philly coming off the upset win this is one of those situations again where if i had to play it it would be the niners or nothing but those injuries scare me off a little bit
2: right all right so baltimore travels to kansas city and you've got uh actually the other way around right yeah baltimore hosting kansas city my bad and uh lamar jackson oh and three against the chiefs how do you think baltimore responds
0: Yeah, I I got him. This is one of my plays this
2: week. It's not the big play, but it is a
0: play, and that is the Ravens plus the points, getting more than a field goal in this one. Uh, Kansas City wasn't overly impressive in that four-point win, non-cover against the Browns. Only time they led was by that final score, Uh, They gave up 457 yards last week to Cleveland. Even worse than that, they gave up more than eight yards per play to the Browns. That's tough to fix in one week of practice as they get ready for Baltimore. And then, as I mentioned, the Ravens, you know, they did average over six yards per play on Monday night in an ultra-tough situation. And if not for Lamar's two fumbles, they probably win that football game. You got the Chiefs laying a full point above the look-ahead lines from last week. And once again, I think they're overvalued. They've been overvalued a lot. In their last 12 games, they are 1 10 and 1 against the spread. The bookmakers are never going to do you any favors when you want to back the Chiefs. And I think the Ravens are the right play. Again, it's a small play for me, but I like the Ravens
2: getting the points. You know, speaking of alarming numbers, we go back to the game on Monday night the Ravens leading the Raiders by 14 points. You know, the Ravens were 81 0 in regular season games when leading by at least 14 points since John Harbaugh took over in 2008. Overall, they won 98 straight dating back to 2004. Oh, and the flip side, you know, the Raiders, first time in five years they overcame a deficit of fourteen points to win a game, and the last time that happened was uh, December 2016 when they uh, defeated Buffalo 24 to nine. Actually, they were trailing 24 to nine, and then they, they won that game uh, 38 to 24. So I don't know if that's an omen or not because the last time the Raiders made the playoffs was 2016 as well too. So, <laughs> yeah, you gotta love it. And
0: yeah. I'll tell you what, when it was fourteen nothing. And I, at the time, I mean, I've seen it since. At the time, I didn't know it was 81-0, but I knew it was close. You know, it was at least 70 wins straight in that scenario. And I just said to my daughter, at 14 nothing going into half, I'm like, let's go do something. I'm not yeah. watching this in the second half. I'm not, you know, I've seen enough of this. I, I don't need to watch me lose with the Raiders. And so we went out and we were doing all kinds of stuff and, you know, not too long. And later I get, you know, start getting texts about, Hey, the Raiders are right back in this thing. And you know, I go from down 14, nothing to seeing 24, 24, got to watch the overtime. So I was happy.
2: Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Scott Spritzer joins us at doc sports. All right, Scott tonight here. We're back to Thursday night football. Definitely not a marquee matchup, but uh, is this a betting situation with Washington against the giants tonight?
0: Yeah, three and a half is what I would do. And I did a video last night. The videos are are on YouTube. They're free and they're they're opinions. And that's basically what this is for me. So I, I thought as long as you're getting more than three, I'd have to side with the Giants as far as an opinion is concerned. Listen, Tyler Haneke did not have a good quarterback rating last week. I know he's been a good NFL backup, and he, he performed well enough last year when, when, when he had to come in and, and take over the reins for Washington. But last week he had like a 38 rating. And there were several times last week, you know, two or three times when the Chargers could have piled up more points on the board and failed to do so. I don't think that the Washington football team uh, was as good as the final score being just a three- or four-point loss would indicate on the flip side the Giants had their chances to do better than they did against Denver. They had the ball deep in Denver territory on three occasions when they came up empty. Uh, Daniel Jones, man, Danny Dimes, he's never lost against Washington, 4-0. I think they're the way to go here as long as you are
2: getting more than the field goal. All right, uh, Friday night football. So the college, and we we're talking about this earlier. We're not really seeing many of these Thursday night, uh, you know, ESPN matchups on Thursday nights anymore. But we are starting to see some more Friday night college football. And tomorrow night we got UCF at Louisville. Uh, a little bit intriguing. Uh, you know, Louisville is. It's kind of this, this weird team. They still got some talent, but, man, they look bad, as we saw, you know, in the opener. And then UCF, obviously, another coaching change and, and that situation there. UCF a seven-point favorite at Louisville tomorrow night. Just a little quick opinion on this, Scott, either side. Yeah, I'm not – an opinion on Central Florida
0: at six and a half. You know, it's under seven, and I like it a little bit. But as far as Louisville's concerned, I mean, they've just dropped off, you know, one big notch at a time since Lamar Jackson left – and is now in the NFL. And as far as Central Florida is concerned, listen, I, you know, they were obviously great under Scott Frost his last year or two there. I thought they dropped a the notch uh, when Josh Heupel took over the program. Not a great deal, but a notch. And I'm not so sure Gus Malzahn is the right fit for the talent that he has left on this team. Having said that, I am not impressed with Louisville thus far, and I think what's going to end up happening in the Central will find a way to win this game by 7 to 10 points.
2: All right. Uh, you know, we have you on. We got to talk about those Huskers, man. They're getting 22 against Oklahoma. We're going to go back to some old Big 8 football, right? Big 8, I know Big exactly. 12. Exactly <laughs> what's going to happen in this game, TC. Uh, let's
0: hear it. You're going to see Jeff Kinney run for 100. Johnny <laughs> Rogers is going to put him in the aisles. And yeah. you're going to have Jerry Tagge game managing this game from start to finish. And you're going to have Nebraska win 35-31. And I'm sticking to my story. <laughs> <laughs> <I> love. <laughs> Having it. said that, it's up to, this is one of those want-to games, as I like to call them. Oklahoma, I think, wins by whatever they want. Um, I just don't know because Nebraska has the ability to get a backdoor cover in this football game. In Oklahoma, you know, listen, they were looking a little shaky against Tulane. Tulane's a pretty good football team, but the Oklahoma defense did get torched from time to time. Here's the biggest problem for me. I, I'm, I don't have a bet on this game. I think the final score is going to be in the neighborhood of OU, 44-20. to 20. I almost bet Oklahoma, and that's pretty close to the number. If it ends up 44-20, it could be even uglier than that. The problem for Nebraska, and the reason I couldn't back the Huskers here, uh, besides the fact that they've been struggling for a decade, they just played Fordham and they played Buffalo in games two and three. They saw 80 pass attempts by Fordham and Buffalo. Nebraska garnered one sack in 80 pass attempts by Fordham and Buffalo, Spencer Rattler could almost wrap up the Heisman in this game if he truly, you know, wants to in is on his game. Uh, I just Nebraska can't run in between the tackles. They're teaching this weird shielding blocking scheme rather than. Nebraska just running through people like we used to see, which surprises me because Scott Frost played when they were running through people. They're teaching the shielding tactic, and it's not working. They can't run the ball between the tackles. They're going to have to use option, which they've kind of introduced the last couple of weeks, if they're going to have any chance at all to keep the football away from OU. Hey, listen, I know some sharp people that are taking the points.
2: I can't do it. So if Oklahoma does roll Nebraska out of the place and they put up, like maybe 50 or 60. Does Nebraska pull a USC here and say goodbye to Scott Frost? I think he's going to make it till the
0: end of the yeah. season. Um, but I'll tell you what, right now you better go get Luke Fickle while he's available over at Cincy. Yeah. I'm telling right. you right now, right. there's a hot prospect. And you know, the, the rumors last week going into Buffalo were Luke Fickle, Matt Campbell, and then uh, Stoops over at Kentucky. I'll take the first two. You can keep Stoops down in the SEC. But <laughs> Fickle or Campbell... You know, maybe, and Fickle obviously has done a great job when he filled in at Ohio State and what he's done with that Bearcats program. By the way, the Bearcats better be on upset alert this week. That's a tough spot. But, again, I think Fickle would be a great next coach. You know, Frost has to get to a bowl game or he's gone. Well, if this is 76 nothing. You might see a tarmac situation
2: like we saw with Lane <laughs> Kiffin. Right, right. Well, thinking with Fickle, I'm thinking Fickle ends up at USC because you know that's where Bones from. I mean, they, they work together, and so I think he would love to have Luke Fickle there at USC, and he's the AD over there now. So yeah, and I kept saying that
0: I thought he would be the best hire for USC. I know they're looking yeah. at enemy and a right. couple of others, but and I don't want to see you know they're talking about with Urban Meyer, he's denied any interest. That's a bad hire. He'll he'll lose to UCLA. He'll start talking about needing to spend more time with the family. He'll go back to ESPN. Right. You know, go out and get a young guy like Fickle. I think he. I agree with you, T.C. He'd be the best hire for the Trojans.
2: All right, uh, real quick, Scott, uh, give me a game that uh, it's on your radar for Saturday.
0: All right, let's pull one up here, and uh, I'm going to go with Arizona State. Now I've been kind of. Looking at these Pac-12 schools, Ian, listen, great start for BYU. They beat a pair of Pac-12 teams, as we know, including the big rivalry win over Utah when they lost nine in a row. Uh, They had the close win over Arizona. I went against the Cats last week, and they showed their true colors getting blasted by San Diego State, so a little comparison shopping there, if you will. But anyway, as far as this game is concerned, I know ASU has played nobody, but that goes to their advantage. They're fresh. They're not banged up. They're ready to go. I think BYU will be a bit worn down emotionally and physically. Arizona State minus three and a half.
2: All right. And Arizona State pounded UNLV last week, but UNLV did get the cover. Iowa State coming to Allegiant Stadium, laying 31 and a half. Big question, Scott, is what is the over-under on the amount of Iowa State fans that they're bringing? And and I'm serious about this because I've tossed around a couple different numbers. I want to know what you think. Yeah, you'll have to tell me what you say
0: after I mention mine. If there's 50,000 people in the stands on Saturday, I'm going to say 40,000 are Iowa State fans. Wow, you think that many? See, I'm thinking. Well, that- I'm just saying on a 50,000 scale. I, I think, yeah. but you know what? It would have been, you know, now that I think about it, the loss last week might keep it down a little bit. Yeah. I've I got tickets every week to UNLV football, but here's the thing those prices dropped after that loss by Iowa State. So maybe not i got to throw that out there. As I think
2: about it, maybe not as much as I thought. I'm thinking 17,643 uh, people are getting on those airplanes from Ames, Iowa, and, and not including the transplants that probably already live here. But what do you think? Uh, does, does Iowa State just take this out of their loss, embarrassing loss to Iowa last week on UNLV, or does UNLV get underneath the number? You know, it's really tough to judge Iowa State. If they would have beaten Iowa, I probably would have thought about laying it here.
0: Listen, I know UNLV is off to a tough start. They played a top-10 FCS program and only lost in overtime by two, and we see how well these top FCS teams are doing again this year. So that's kind of – that's not a bad beat. Last week, they didn't have the guns, man. They don't have the talent to hang with the Arizona State. But I will say this about the Rebels. They don't have the talent to hang, but they're better coached than they've been in a long time. They know where to be. They know where to go. They know where they're supposed to line up. If Iowa State is focused, though, they just pull away in the second half.
2: All right, my man we appreciate it as always you can check out Scott's picks at docsports.com. and of course part of our best bet segment uh you had a really good week with us as well too the the whole the whole panel had a really good week last week man so congratulations on that and by the way, give me a
0: yell on Saturday night because I will be at this game this will be my first unLV game in the new stadium well we
2: will be there that we'll, I know you will we'll, yeah give me a yell we'll definitely uh pick a spot to, to meet or actually I know Absolutely. you have good seats so I'm going to come down and maybe hang with you how's that Perfect. There you go. All right, my man. Appreciate you. Take care, man. Good luck. There he is, Scott Spritzer. Great follow on Twitter as well at Scott Wins, and of course uh, at Docsports. dot com. You can get Scott's plays there at Docsports. Great stuff. Appreciate Scott for joining us today. Also, Arash Makazi joining us from Los Angeles does a fantastic job. You can catch his. Uh, articles daily at the morning column on Substack and of course he's doing radio now. The former LA Times writer, ESPN Sports Illustrated writer, can hear him on the mightier 1090 there in San Diego, the big 50,000 watt station. And of course, Paul Buck Power Stewart, our guy from England buckpower.com covering the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the voice of the National Football League in England for those games. So we appreciate everyone for joining us today. Tomorrow, you know where we'll be. Cosmopolitan in Las Vegas. Come on down and join us inside the sports book. We'll be happening. Trevor Match is going to join us for Best Bet segment uh, again via the phone, but in person. Uh, Marlon Greenwood, uh, NFL alumni uh, director of uh, Las Vegas personnel, he's going to join us. Come hang out with us for a while and uh, plenty more as well. Marco D'Angelo is going to join us. We've got Brian Benowitz. We've got our Best Bet segment. That and a whole lot more coming your way tomorrow at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. G-Man, glad to have you in studio today. Thank
4: you, boss. Appreciate
2: it. And we'll see you uh, tomorrow at the Cosmopolitan. Looking forward to it. All right, Numbchuck, making it happen here on the other side. Shout out again to Ballpark Frank. Get well soon, my friend. We'll keep everyone updated on that. And if you miss any part of the show, you know where to go? TCMartinShow.com.